podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Yes, still all 10. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Look, I understand everything that's going on. There's plenty of realignment that we could be talking about and the fate of the Big 12. But at some point, we have to actually get back to talking about other things like football. You know, the football season that's going to be here in just over 30 days. The NBA draft, which is tonight and will impact four or five at least Big 12 players in the first round. So we're going to have realignment talk. We're still going to talk about the Big 12 from an overview standpoint. Don't worry. Um, we're actually going to start a, a series starting tomorrow or Friday, a bonus podcast, breaking down kind of what each team has to sell to Power 5 conferences and trying to, to move on from the Big 12 if that's the direction that they take. So, so keep a look out for those. Um, those will start dropping on Friday, like I said. Um, but to, today, we're going to finally use our, uh, our delayed uh, next position group rankings podcast uh, had a great interview talking about cornerback rankings in the Big 12, 1 through 10. Had to push that back because of, you know, everything going on. Very excited to have our good friends Kyle Carpenter of Longhorn Republic and Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus joining the show to break down the cornerback group. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But as I mentioned, NBA draft, uh, that is Thursday night, tonight, if you're listening to this when the podcast comes out. The NBA draft is tonight. Obviously, it's a very big night, very big deal. I love the NBA draft. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I did feel we needed to put a little bit of time and discussion into this. Um, so Christine Butterfield, the uh, host of our brand new Big 12 basketball podcast. Yes, I, I know. Uh, Midwest Madness joining us here. We're going to break down uh, break down this NBA draft a little bit. Christine, welcome back to the 1012. Thank you for having me. Always, always a good time here. So happy to be back. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so for tonight... I know we've all kind of seen some of the stuff on social about, oh, maybe Detroit's not set on uh, on Cade Cunningham. And, like, it's all nonsense. Every mock draft still has him number one, right? Like, we perfectly we expect tonight the number one pick to be uh, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, correct? I mean, yeah, at that point, it's, it's I don't really believe it. And 
Cade Cunningham and his like NBA availability leading up to the draft said that he's literally only met with Detroit because he believes he's the number one pick and they have the number one pick. So he doesn't feel like it's necessary for him to go anywhere else. Someone asked him if he's interested in visiting Houston because they have the number two pick. And he kind of blew him off a little bit and said, he's like, maybe if I have time, I'll head down there. But um, unless they jump up to one, I don't really necessarily see a reason to. So I think he's pretty set that he will be picked number one by the Detroit Pistons. All right, so obviously Cade going number one, no big surprise there. I've seen as many as four other Big 12 players projected to go in the first round. Um, So what I want to do here is we're going to go one by one of what I've seen. And I want your prediction for where they end up. And then I want to know where you think they would be best fit. Uh, So let's start with with Kai Jones uh, out of Texas, who I've seen as as high as 11th, according to Sports Illustrated, and as low as 21st. Uh, according to ESPN. So so for Kai Joe's from Texas, where do you think he goes? Where do you think is the best fit for him? Yeah, you know, he has a lot of good perimeter skills. He's 6'10". So for him to be able to do what he can in the perimeter for his height, that's going to be a big advantage for a lot of teams, I think. Um, he's very fluid off the dribble. He's a good mobile defender, and he's really great at switching across all positions. So with how the NBA is moving towards a positionless league, I think he's going to be a pretty good get for where they're positioning him. A lot of people are kind of positioning him like, you know, just early out of the top 10 or, I mean, somewhere between 10 and 20 is really where he's projected to go. Um, I don't know if the Lakers will try to pick him up because they're at number 20, possibly they could pick him up, but if he doesn't, but if he goes before then, I could see possibly San Antonio wanting him maybe Indiana. Indiana would be interesting because they just have like a really big team. So getting him kind of to switch around, that'd be really nice. Or Washington has the number 15 pick, so they could possibly snag him and kind of help him out with Russ there on the defensive end. So I think those would be probably the the best options for him. Okay. Uh, next up, we got two guys out of Baylor. Uh, first up is Davian Mitchell. Uh, I've seen him pretty much in in the 12 to 14 range. Uh, Checked about four different mock drafts from CBS, ESPN, Bleacher Report, and Sports Illustrated. And they all have him 12, 13, or 14, which is San San Antonio, Indiana, Golden State. No one seems to think he's going to fall past that that top 14, 15. So where do you think he goes, and what do you think is is the best fit? Yeah, I've also seen him go as early as top eight from the ringer. So it's kind of interesting. He can kind of fall between, I would say, like 9 to 15 I really kind of want to see him play at Charlotte I think Charlotte's energy would be a really good fit for Davion Mitchell because he is such an elite defender you know he can have such an intensity that he brings so he can chase down blocks and he can switch with active hands so he can really just move against any single guard and when you pair him with the likes of LaMelo Ball when you pair him with the likes of Devontae Graham who's also playing for the Charlotte Hornets I think that young team is kind of looking for someone that's going to bring that energy on the defensive end too. And that could definitely be a really, really good fit for them. Charlotte is at 11. So it's kind of in that sweet spot right there. And I think that he could really benefit from being on that team. Uh, the other Baylor guy, Jared Butler, Bleach Report and Sports Illustrated have him at 18, CBS and ESPN at 22nd. Right now, 18 is Oklahoma City, 22nd is the Los Angeles Lakers. So what do you think about about Butler and where does he go and, and what is a good spot for him? 
Yeah, I think I think um, obviously he's not going to be as high profile as Davion Mitchell, but that doesn't mean that he still can't be successful in the NBA. You know, I think he improved a lot on his three point shot. He also is a really, really smart passer, which is something that's going to be a big, big pro moving into the NBA because you can't make if you make it, you know, like you're a rookie and you start making mistakes and you're leading to a bunch of turnovers, you're not going to get a bunch of playing time because the minutes you get are precious. So the fact that he's um, smarter on the ball, I think, is going to be key for him. And, you know, if he's going to be in that, you know, lower 20s, mid 20s range, you're looking at possibly Houston picking him up at 24. They're looking kind of for someone to bring in and get a high energy out of. The Clippers are at 25. I think Denver could be interesting, though. Denver at 26. I think if they if Jared Butler can go to Denver and just kind of help them out a little bit. I think that he could be pretty good for them. Very nice. Uh, last guy we saw, Miles McBride out of West Virginia. Seen him as high as 21 by Bleacher Report <clears throat> and as far down as the uh, the second round. Again, where what's your prediction? But where do you think he would be a good fit? Yeah, you know, like you said, he could be lower 20s or really early first round. I think from what I've seen, or second round, sorry. From what I've seen, he seems more like he'd be like a 31, 32-ish pick. Um, and he kind of has, he kind of reminds people of Drew Holiday or Javon Carter. That's a lot of the comparisons that I've seen. Um, so basically you're looking at, if you're looking at early in the second round, you're looking at possibly New York. And if he's picked up from New York and he ends up being against basically Kevin Durant, um, it would just be honestly really interesting to see how he handles that. But also new, um, or I'm sorry, also Orlando's picking up at 33 and they're really kind of looking to get out of that area that they've been in uh, right now. So I think that he can help them out defensively because um, Orlando has a top five pick. So I'm sure that they're going to try to get someone who can shoot really well, who's a really great offensive player, but as they get, deeper into the draft they're probably going to be looking for those glue kind of guys and I think that Miles McBride is going to be a good fit for them. Orlando's going to take Scotty Barnes and I'm going to be sad he doesn't fall to six to Oklahoma City and they're going to take Book Knight which is fine I suppose. Man I like Scotty Barnes. Good grief. Um, Christine that was awesome thank you very much. Of course everybody uh, go check out the Midwest Madness podcast that is our official Big 12 basketball podcast. Yes, we'll continue to make the joke that yes, we started a basketball podcast for a conference that may not be here in a year. Haha, ha, we got it. We're going to move on. Uh pumped to have Christine on board. She does a fantastic job covering college basketball as well as the as professor she does a fantastic job covering college basketball, as well as the pros, the NBA, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Christine, any other thoughts about tonight? I'm just excited to see all the movement. We've we've talked about this a bit, but you know, in the NFL, things seem pretty concrete, but the NBA draft has so much movement throughout the night and honestly into the next day where they'll create kind of packages for players that are already on the team with a new draft and move them somewhere else. So the draft is never boring. You never know what's going to happen. And of all people, Sam Presti is one of those general managers that always makes big moves in the draft. So I'm personally really excited to see what happens and honestly excited to see what these big 12 players do in the NBA. I think they always pretty much end up showing people that they can last throughout anything. I mean, just look at how Marcus Smart has done in Boston. I mean, he's kind of made a big name for himself on defensive teams. So 
looking forward to see what these players do and looking forward to see where they end up. Yeah, very excited for tonight. Very excited. Again, Midwest Madness. It's at MW underscore Madness Big 12 on Twitter. You can find the podcast. It's available anywhere you find this podcast. So wherever you subscribe to the 1012, you can subscribe to the Midwest Madness as well. Christine, really appreciate you. Okay, before we get to our cornerback rankings in the Big 12, quick little uh, little podcast business to do here. Official sponsor of the 1012 podcast, Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere uh, with teams that are going to remain in the Big 12, like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State, and Baylor, and of course, the team that is also leaving for the SEC in Texas, all available there with some beautiful throwback vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, you name it. They've also got some some other teams, maybe some teams you're going to be interested because you're hoping your team ends up in their conference, like the Big Ten with some amazing minnesota gear michigan state michigan as well or or if you're hoping to go to the pac-12 uh they've got honest to goodness i actually don't know which pac-12 schools they have i have to go look i don't even know like i'm gonna i'm gonna be like a colorado all right we're set and utah very good very good oh Oregon. is that it is it colorado and utah wow so this would be good for the Pac-12 and Homefield Apparel if a bunch of Big 12 schools end up there and now they have more Pac-12. This could work out perfectly. Work out So Pac-12, this is another reason to invite a few Big 12 teams over. Uh, you're going to have more stuff on Homefield Apparel. This is a win for you. Promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, gets you 20% off of your first order. Uh, orders of $7 or more right now get free shipping because you're not going to buy one thing. You're not going to go to home field to buy one thing. That's just ridiculous and silly and stupid. So promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is. All right. Cornerback rankings, Kyle Carpenter, Anthony Tresh. Don't forget, bonus episodes starting tomorrow, Friday. Let's get to it. Hello, this is Parker Fleming, co-host of the Purple Theory podcast. Purple Theory is a podcast for TCU and Big 12 fans who are looking to get a deeper level of analysis on and off the football field outside of the hyperactive circle of instant reactions and hot takes. Purple Theory is a mix of numbers and narratives of scheme and stories where we break down the happenings of TCU football and the Big 12 every week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and make sure to check out our newsletter at purpletheory.sub stack.com okay i lied i said we were going to start with our cornerback rankings and then everything went crazy again we recorded the intro about one o'clock on wednesday and so of course then bob bullsby decides to go after espn and alleging that they uh, basically helped oklahoma and texas get to the sec Oh, just when we thought things were starting to calm down a little bit and seem somewhat predictable. Um, Bob Bowlesby, of course, alleging uh, conference media rights partner ESPN conspired to damage the league by taking Oklahoma and, and Texas and putting them in the SEC. And then saying that uh, they actively engaged with the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, to pursue three to five. Although, as I'm recording this late Thursday or Wednesday night, that could be as much as all eight Big 12 members. Um suggesting that uh, the ESPN was going to reward the American uh, with future television proceeds by doing so. Because if the Big 12 falls apart, then ABC, ESPN would get Oklahoma and Texas not having to pay a bunch of money to get out of the conference. The conference would fall apart. I mean, I kind of talked about, you know, it benefits Oklahoma and Texas if the conference does fall apart because they don't have to pay all the exit feeds and, and the, the media 
the rights just fall apart. It's oh my gosh. Uh, Bob Bowlesby sent a letter and alleged that ESPN has taken certain actions that are intended to not only harm the Big Twelve Conference but to result in financial benefits for ESPN. Um, there is a there is a, a media war going on between ESPN and Fox right now. Just just that that is the truth. Uh, Bowlesby told uh, CBS Sports the ESPN's actions are equal to a tortious interference. I am not a legalese expert, so yeah. Um, this is just getting crazy. So now the Big 12, and look, we can make fun of Bob Bowlesby, and I see the OU people doing their writing and saying, like, I can't believe you do this. This is so dumb. This is so desperate. Yeah, they're desperate. They're in a desperate spot. Like, they're trying to protect the conference that they are in charge of. That's their job. Now, granted, they should have been doing a better job for it to not reach this point, but this is the spot they're in, and they're not just going to cave, okay? They're not going to cave, okay? That, what do you, seriously, what do you expect? What do you expect? Huh? I mean, I get it. You're, you're trying to lower our TV value by blowing up our contracts and stealing our two best teams. It benefits you entirely, ESPN, and it does. And, and you can talk trash about Bowlesby, and this is inevitable, and it's going to happen, and that's fine, but his his job is to do this, okay? Like, Bowlesby is an idiot and has screwed up completely and totally and wholeheartedly throughout this entire process. But at least he's, I mean, it's too little too late, but at least they're trying to do something. And the American, of course the American. You're not going to turn this into the ACC. You've got a sweetheart deal. You're not going to blow that up. And And the Big 12 right now is split... Fox and ESPN split the Pac-12. You don't want them to get anybody to go to the Pac-12. That benefits Fox, and the Big Ten is the same thing. The American, the big the ESPN has. So if, if ESPN can keep those other teams from the Big 12 on ESPN, that benefits them, and they get to pay them less, and so they'll pay the American more, and everybody gets a little bit more in the American, but it still costs less, and they save money. But like it all makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Also, the American would then be, I think, if they brought in all eight, 19 teams, Gross. Gross. Okay? Like, and we knew this was happening. We knew the American was saying they were going to be aggressive. Well, now we know why. Now we knew why. Because ESPN was telling them to. This is a mess. Like, you knew ESPN was involved. We all did. We all knew it was involved. But I don't know what the fallout is here. Like, I still think the Big 12 is probably doomed. Now you're taking on ESPN. Like at this point, it's we need to get the money that is owed to us as much of it as we can. Okay. And look, Matt Brown of Extra Points made a really good point. Quotes, I'm not going to sit here on this website, Twitter, and pretend I'm a lawyer, but given what various participants in the Big East disillusion have said, are we supposed to believe that there's just no way ESPN might be trying to pull strings to break up the Big 12 and save money? Folks, they have to save money. They need to save money. This benefits them. It saves them money. It makes them more money. Like it, 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 I don't think they started this. I still think OU did. But once they got ESPN on board with it, ESPN has been helping make it happen. Like, this is also a sign that the conference is not going to make it because if you're going after ESPN in this way, they're not going to, that when the, when the media rights deal ends in 2025, they're not going to renew with you. So, I mean, you're going entirely to Fox and, and then Fox gets to pay you less because it's not like you have another option. 
But you got to do something because right now the eight teams that are left over want, need, and deserve as much money out of this as they can get before they figure out what what directions they're going to go. Especially the ones that don't end up at the nice Power Five landing, if any of them do. This is a mess. Um, this course is coming out on Thursday. The big the the SEC is expected to basically vote and approve because this vote wouldn't happen if it wasn't already in the bag. Vote and approve to invite Oklahoma and Texas, who just out of nowhere. Asked to come to the conference, they didn't know, and they all just think it's a grand idea. I believe they and basically came out and said, "Yeah, we love this now. We're on board. Hooray!" I'm both like enjoy talking about this and hate talking about this. And we're going to keep talking about it. We'll talk about it again on Monday. So I'm going to be done for now. We're going to see how this plays out for the next couple of days. Um, we're going to talk cornerbacks in the Big 12 because it's talk about some, some actual football. Um, we'll be back again on Monday, and we'll talk about the state of things. And um, I'll give you a little tease. One thing we're going to do on Monday show, and it's a topic. It's not a guest, so we're set. We're going to talk about Big 12 bucket lists. So I want you guys to start putting yours together. Because when the episode comes out on Monday, we're going to ask, what is your list? And we'll put each of ours out. Um, your three item, however long you want, but at least three items on your bucket list for the Big Twelve. Or if this is the last year for the Big Twelve, what are what are the things you just you got to do? You have to go to, you have to see, you have to take part in. What do you want to do? That's something I'm going to be thinking about. There's your tease for Monday's show. I'm really excited about it. So, cornerback uh, rankings, Big Twelve, one through ten. Anthony Tresh, Kyle Carpenter. Let's actually get to it. Right, we are continuing our position group rankings in the Big 12. Very excited to have two guests here joining me today to break down cornerback groups in the Big 12. First up, Kyle Carpenter, one half of the Longhorn Republic pod, back on the show. Kyle, welcome. Oh, always a pleasure to be here, Philip. It's too long to see the uh, hear the dulcet tones and see the, the beautiful quaff of hair uh, on my screen here and talk some, some college football with you. Hey, 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 I heard the quaff. That's a... Uh... Reaching back into the vocabulary for that one. Appreciate it. Uh, and joining us for is uh, his very first time here on the show, Anthony Tresh, a pro football focus. Anthony, welcome to the 1012, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm ready to get into these cornerback rankings because it's a very intriguing group, you know, across the board. It, it is a very intriguing. I, I, I think I say this like every time. I'm like, man, this one was the toughest. This one was the toughest. I wouldn't say this one was the toughest. <laughs> Offensive line pretty pretty high up there. Uh, but this one was one of the most interesting. Before we dive in, Anthony, you and I kind of talked about this before we started recording, but I'm curious, you guys' philosophy when putting your rankings together. Um, what what matters more to you? Like one lockdown guy or one stud or having balance and depth? If you have to choose between those, what what's more important to you? Uh, Anthony, why don't, why don't you answer first? Yeah, I think it's very dependent on kind of that one lockdown guy, you know, who that kind of guy is, and also the offenses that you're going to be facing. Um, and, and I think if you're talking a Derek Stingley Jr. type, you know, the LSU cornerback, who's probably up there or in the among the likes of Jalen Ramsey as far as college corners go, then I think if he were in the Big 12, I would take him and I would be okay with whatever's on the other side. In the SEC, I'm not so sure. Um, but even in the Big 12, I, I still think, you know, I'd rather have a more balanced group than that one lockdown guy because you can get you could still get exposed pretty quickly that way um but, but again it is very situational based i would say kyle yeah, what about I mean, you what where do you lean here 
As I, as I made my list, I kind of, I thought about it because I, I moved people a couple different times and we'll talk about some of the specific ones where it's like, wow, that's a good corner. If they just get lucky, if they strike uh, lightning on the other side and, or, or have a, a committee that can roll through and do okay, there's, there's a couple relative lockdown corners in the big 12 who, you know, played full seasons, giving up one or zero touchdowns last year. You know, that's relatively impressive in a pass happy offense. So it's, it's, a lot of these units, when you describe them that way, come down to who's the weaker link that offenses are probably going to target more. Um, we're talking purely corners. When you talk pass game, obviously you bring nickels and safeties uh, into it. So it's it's kind of delineating a little bit too and, and, and rating the group, but then sussing out specifically the corner. So I actually probably switched my ranking, I don't know, eight times already. Uh, I might do it on the fly, who knows? But uh, I think there's some interesting variables where you could, you could talk me up or talk me down almost two positions on uh, where most of these uh, ended up landing. I would be honest if I told you that right here, right now, I feel perfectly set in my one through 10, because at this point, I'm still sitting there going, well, but, but then, <laughs> uh, especially on the back end, man, uh, five through five through eight really is just kind of like, I just don't, I don't know. So with that said, why don't we, we'll just go ahead and dive in here. Um, Anthony, as our first time guest, I'm going to let you go first. Who do you have at number one? Yeah, this was really like the only no-brainer, and that was TCU. I mean, I, I think they don't only have, you know, the best outside cornerback duo in the Big 12. I think it's one of the best in all of college football. I think LSU's with uh, Stingley and Eli Ricks is the only one that's really better. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, he graded out. He was number one in PFF grade this past season. Number one in forced incompletion rate, too. Um, he plays a lot bigger than his size suggests, um, too. I mean, his mirror ability is as good as it gets to the position. And Noah Daniels. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do when he's fully healthy. And he had that season ending injury last year. Um, but he was, I mean, he was truly a lockdown guy. Only six catches allowed on 18 targets with more forced incompletions than catches allowed with seven. Um, and that's pretty unheard of. He has a legitimate track speed. Um, my guy, Mike Grinner, our lead draft analyst here, he absolutely loves Noah Daniels. He's excited for him too. So I think that's the clear cut number one, at least for me. Yeah, I think you gave him the easy one. That was very nice of you, Philip, to welcome our guests. I think Tomlinson, when you hear 5'9", 177, if you haven't watched him play, it might say, ooh, how does that project? But when you watch, like Shakira would say, those hips don't lie. Uh, like he said, his mirability. I mean, he just, it feels like 70% of, of passes, whatever receiver is, is just he's on their hip and 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 they can't shake him. You know, he is, uh, he's as good as it gets uh, for me. And I, I agree that I think Noah Daniels, this, this was a clear cut, Number one, everything that uh, that Anthony said is spot on. And again, you know, gave him the easy one. Thanks. <laughs> it's interesting. At, at this point now, every ranking group we've done, we've done offensive line, defensive line, and linebackers. And now corner, we've all had a consensus number one because of Taurus's TCU. And, and again, it's not just that you have the best corner in the Big 12. I mean, literally, he's first team. Uh, Hodges Tomlinson's first team on Athlon, Big 12, Pro Football Focus, uh, College Football Network, Phil Steele. Like he is the best corner of the Big 12 and you have that, but you pair him with Noah Daniels, who I think everyone's pretty high on. He was, he was good before he got injured. If he's fully healthy, I, I agree. It is the best duo. It was the easiest one to go with here at number one. It is a consensus. It's not shocking. I really wondered, I wondered if maybe, maybe this is the spot where we would, we would have some variety. It's part of why I asked that question, but it's not too surprising. TCU's at number one here. Uh, okay. So, so Anthony with that, uh, who do you have for number two? Yeah, number two, I think I'm going to go with Kansas State here. Um, I really liked Echo Boydo. Um, I was really surprised with what he did this past season. Um, I wasn't expecting him to play at the level he did. I mean, he ended up finishing uh, fifth in the FBS and forced incompletion rate among FBS cornerbacks. Um, and, you, too, you look at his game week-to-week -week numbers, and he was extremely consistent. Um, very few catches allowed. 
Um, and I think he's going to be a big breakout player this upcoming season. Justin Gardner, um, he's he's kind of um, he, he kind of fits that college quarterback, right? With very bad in man coverage. I wouldn't say bad, but he still got very raw in man coverage. But his zone coverage was there, I and mean, he performed exceptionally well. Um, and so I'm excited to see what this group does this upcoming season. But honestly, this team could also be five. <laughs> they they really could be because there's a big big race there for that number two spot. And and spoiler alert, I have him a little bit closer to that. But I, I agree. I think Boydo is 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 the guy to 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 watch there. But I can talk about that if uh, if you want me to jump in on my number two, Philip. I can I can switch it up. We'll have some variants here. All right. So my number two, and please just excuse what feels like blatant homerism, because I ranked them as low as five at one point. I really did. And the more I looked at it and started shifting things around, I put UT at number two. And, and, and the, the thing that, that swayed me is, again, if you're looking at a guy, I think there's three a guys uh, right now in, in, in the Big 12, and we'll talk about Baylor in a little bit. But um, I, I think, you, I think Jamison, I think we already mentioned Tomlinson. And, and again, I'll, I'll talk about uh, the, the third in, in, a, in a moment here. But uh, I think Deshaun Jamison somehow continues to go through his career as the most overlooked, incredibly talented player. Uh, I mean, in that crazy 2018 UT recruiting class, he was overrated in that class as the 115th rated player in, in the country. But when you had overshown Anthony Cook, Caden Stearns, BJ Foster in an offensive backfield recruiting class, somehow Jamison was overlooked and got shifted to wide receiver his freshman year. Um, turned it around last year, um, or is, is turned it around as, as a sophomore, got to play his, his preferred position. Um, he's a guy who he needs to make more interceptions because I also think he was over uh, underrated as the uh, most dangerous return man in, in, in the country. And I think the fact that his playmaking ability, if he gets his hands on a ball, he had three interceptions, including an incredible one against West Virginia two years ago, but three interceptions and then zero. So he needs to step up, get the ball in his hands and be a playmaker. Um, and if he can do that again, he had the most defensive snaps last year without giving up a touchdown. So I, there, there is something to be said about lockdown corner. Um, and I think his name belongs there. I, this is where, again, the, is it a guy and a group um, goes, but UT also returns, you know, starter Josh Thompson, who started 10 games um, won that over Jalen green, who ended up transferring to Mississippi state basically because of that. Um, and, and Chris Adamore at the nickel, you know, they might slide some guys around there. Uh, Darian Dunn is a guy who at McNeese, a much lower kind of uh, bar of play than the big 12 passing offenses, but did have 11 pass breakups and five interceptions uh, in the Southland um, and, and won their, their, conference 60 meter hurdle with a school record seven eight nine he's quick he's, he's got good footwork he's a guy who could play a little bit I I don't know it's a lot of guys Keaton Crawford today Baron are guys who could break that they could play too early they're, they're young they shouldn't be there yet but they've shown glimpses uh in spring games and obviously you know I've, I've seen the most of this group so maybe my bias is showing but again I've pushed them up in multiple re-rankings had them as low as five um but it, it all comes down to that that equation of the guy and then who else is next to him? And I think UT's the guy is as good as any in, in the conference. I've already got a feeling this is going to be the most all over the place of all of our rankings thus far. And I'm, I am very excited for it. We've had a little bit too much consensus in some of the previous ones uh, because I have a different number two and I have Iowa State. And this goes back to that argument of a guy and everybody else versus the collection of talent that you have. You combine Anthony Johnson with uh, Tavon Kyle, as well as Daytron Young. Um, and then even sophomore TJ Tampa. And I like this group. I like what they have. You bring back a ton of experience with Johnson and Kyle. Uh, it, even with Kyle, though, I mean, Daytron Young 
took his starting spot from him as the season went on. I, I think PFF is higher on Kyle than Young, but I mean, Young was the one who stole the spot. I think this is a, this is like the case for a lot of things with Iowa State. It's a situation where the the whole is, is greater than the sum of yep. the parts, right? And I think this unit is really good. I think this unit is very experienced. I think they bring an, a, a shown and proven ability to succeed on the field. I, I have Iowa State at number two. I, I'm, I'm loving this. This is all over. I'm, I'm, this is, I'm I'm so excited already. I'm I'm pumped. Um, okay, so Anthony, with that, who do you have at three? Yeah, it's um it's not going to be Texas, and like you said, it's, we're going to be all over the place because Texas is not number three, but Iowa State is my number three, um, and they were almost my number two as well. And you took the words yeah. right out of my mouth. I mean, these are these are three guys, and I, I do think you know I, I do think Tavon Kyle and Anthony Johnson they're the I think they're the better of the two, and like you said, we are here at PFF higher on Kyle than uh, Young. Um, but then again, I don't think they're hurting no matter what, who is on the field there. Um, Anthony Johnson, Tavon Kyle, both had coverage grades above 76.0, which is really good for starting on the outside at a power five level. Um, Young, I think there were a couple of games that kind of scared me a little bit. Um, looking at the Oregon game, I wasn't, you know, in the Texas game as well. Um, you know, the, I think that he should have done a lot better in those two outings. And it was kind of questionable as to why he actually stole the starting spot away. Um, and I think that's a storyline to watch, but I think no matter what, they're still going to be in pretty good hands um, within the secondary. I think I really do like their system as well. Um, and so I think there's an argument we had that there also should be that number two spot. That was a team I was kind of wrestling with, but, you know, rounding out that top three is Iowa State for me. And I have them in my third spot as well. And actually that's the, the position I flipped the most. And, and uh, again, I had Texas at three and Iowa State is two, like five minutes before I started this podcast and made the decision to go with some gusto. But uh, I think everything that was said, right. You got three guys, you have, you have uh, Anthony Johnson's a four-year starter, multiple time honorable mention big 12. He's a guy in a Matt Campbell system and in an Iowa State defense that, that, that likes just having consistency. It, it like we said, bigger than the sum of its parts. I mean, you have to, it's hard to isolate corners in the big 12, especially there's some great safety play. There's some great safety play that's leaving uh, as well. But I mean, Iowa state almost more than anyone is a system defensive backfield. So you can't take away that they have elite safeties as well um, uh, playing around whichever combination or all three of these guys, Matt Campbell said, this is the most depth they've ever had at the cornerback position. So I think, you know, you're talking about the three that he likes some guys underneath that as well. So um, that's why I, you know, wrestled with making them two, but I I ultimately, I think they're, they're very easily uh, at least number three. Yeah. I I mentioned briefly, but the the sophomore TJ Tampa they have, I'm I'm intrigued by. I I think he just adds that kind of that fourth spot for them. I'll be interested to see if he takes a big step. Um, Number three for me is Oklahoma. Um, You return three guys with starting experience in Jaden Davis, Woody Washington, DJ Graham, uh, Graham and Woody Washington both earned second team nods in, in some publications, um, Graham and Athlon, uh, Washington for Steel. Um, both were defensive freshman year, uh, honor, defensive freshman of the year, honorable mention the big 12 last season. You would expect as this defense continues to improve and get better for Oklahoma, that they will take a, a nice step forward in this coming season. I like, I like this group of three guys. And this is the thing for me. If you have, you can get away with fewer than three if you've got someone like Hodges Tomlinson with TCU. Where I know they have two, I don't know who the third is, but for Iowa State, for Oklahoma, you've got two groups here where I feel good about the three guys that they have. And if you have three, you should be pretty set um, for the season. 
even with an injury. I really like what OU has here. I think they're going to keep getting better. I think Davis adds that experience and that age for them, either he starts or not. Um, I like this unit a lot, so I bet OU at three. Um, so with that, Anthony, we're down to number four. Who uh, who do you have here? Yeah, um, in, in this group right here, I think outside of the TCU one, this is the one I'm most excited to watch this upcoming season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're number two, you know, right behind the Horn Frogs duo by the end of the season. And that's Baylor with really Tuxeda and Kellen Barnes. Um, I, I think these two guys have immense potential, such a high ceiling that they haven't really fully reached yet. Um, I thought really Tuxeda, he was, you know, that he was getting to that lockdown status. He did have an ugly game against Oklahoma State. Um, but also, too, that, that game, that team was battling a bunch of COVID issues. He couldn't really fully practice, and that kind of went into some of it. Um, but at the end of the day, these two guys, they, 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 they're track stars. I mean, they could be on the track team. I mean, they have been. Um, they're that, that talented of athletes. Um, and you, you could see the coverage ability get better. And I think there were some moments, too, especially from Barnes when he was on the field last year, um, where he just didn't really fully take that next step forward like we thought. Um, hopefully this full offseason can kind of help with that. Um, but this duo, I really do think, you know, they really do have a high ceiling. I think they can challenge for that number two spot by the end of the year. They could have, I mean, or even right now, they really could have. Um, but I'm excited to see what this duo can do because I think it's going to really kind of define, you know, a big part of this, the Bedley team's success. Yeah, and I think we're, we're in agreement there because this was this was the third of where I said the guys that are that are proven. There's a lot of guys who could be the guys by the end of the season, but I think you, you hit it on the head um, that, that, you know, I think you could say that Texada could be as good as, as anyone in the big, big 12 by the end of the year. Um, you take, like he said, that game out and he, I think he gave up 10 catches and under a hundred yards in eight games before that Oklahoma state game. So I'm willing to give him a pass as an aberration. Um, but you know, 5'10, 188 isn't, isn't the, the big mauling corner, but just has speed. And, and, and I think also Boogie Barnes is, is a guy with, with speed. If he can stay healthy is, is going to be a thing for this group. Um, but it's a Dave Aranda team. You know, the defense is, is getting, better every year that he's there it's just going to be um it's going to continue to be to, to be adding pieces and so it'll be it'll be curious to see this was a very much one of a guy versus you know a group of guys which i think uh when i talk about OU in a little bit here that 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 was that was the 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 delineation you made you pointed it out right the head philip that's every single time it comes down to that calculus but i'm putting baylor with a slight nod uh, I don't have Baylor here. You guys, with your consensus, it's does starting to feel like normal again. Two guests agree, and I'm over here doing my random stuff. That's fine. Um, I got Baylor coming up in just a minute. I have Kansas State here. Um, the combination of Echo Boydo, who I think, considering that him and Justin Gardner were both kind of thrust into action last year, um, they performed really, really well. And I like them um, a lot. I think they can take another, it's another situation kind of like OU where I think it's the two guys that are just going to get better this year. Um, you throw in two sophomore T. Denson, who I am mildly intrigued by. They added two transfers, Julius Brents from Iowa, Rusty East uh, from Louisville. They can make an impact. I think they will provide quality depth here to just make this one of the deeper cornerback groups of the Big 12. Neither one was awesome. They both had poor tackle rates last season. But this is one of those ones where um, it's a really sneaky, interesting cornerback group. Um, I like the pieces. I like it as a whole, kind of like Iowa State. I want to talk about it just a, a couple spots ago. So I have Kansas State here at number four. Anthony. Yeah. Number five for you, sir. And yeah, this is probably, I think, closing out last season. I was so excited to watch this team. They were, I, I already pre-made them my team for 2021. Um, but then they lost two very important transfers. 
with Drayshon Miller, cornerback Tyke Smith, the Spear, West Virginia. Um, I, I still think it's a good sound group. And I think if we include the entire secondary, then they're pushing for that number two spot even um, because I really do like the crop of safeties they have. Um, but the cornerback unit, it's a little less certain without Drayshon Miller there. Um, now at Auburn, now I think Auburn has a top three cornerback unit nationally with that addition too, um, with Roger McCurry and Amy Pritchett. But sticking with West Virginia, um, Nick Troy Fortune, I, I do like what he can do in zone coverage. I think his, his zone awareness, his eyes, it's there. And I think a lot of that too also has to do with the coaching they have because you see that with all of those West Virginia um, defensive backs. His main coverage isn't there, but I don't think it's going to really matter in this type of system. Um, you know, Jackie Matthews too, the JUCO transfer. Um, you know, I, I think he has some potential there. Um, I, I, this one was struggling just because I'm curious to see how they're going to perform with Al Smith and, and Drayshon Miller there. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they do despite that. I think this is a, um, a very intriguing West Virginia team that has a, a wide range of outcomes. Um, but it, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day. They just stick kind of where they were last year. Um, on the off side of the ball, big fan of Jerry Deggie. I think he's an underrated quarterback in the Big 12, but I just, I think there are some holes there, but on defense, you know, I, I think they just have a middle of the pack cornerback unit for now, but I do think they have the potential to be better. Yeah, I, I went back and forth on West Virginia a bit, but this is where I have to put OU. I don't think you can go any further than this. And and again, this one is not homerism because I I, I did... I did switch them a couple of times as, as high as two, I think at one point or, or three. Um, and I think they're really in this three to five spot with upside. And and you, you talked about Woody Washington, a guy who I mentioned earlier, if I'm going to give credit to, uh, to Jameson for having, you know, 350 some odd snaps, the most in the country without a touchdown, Woody Washington was fourth uh, in the country in snaps without allowing a, a TD uh, reception. So, I mean, a, a guy who has breakout potential written all over him, um, we did our, our Sooners preview last week and, and just had Crimson Cream Machine just waxing poetic uh, about him. DJ Graham, uh, the former receiver with elite speed, um, big upside, but again, untested. So if you have a couple guys who you think are going to break out or who could be the guy, but no one who is, that's why I moved them a little down. Uh, Jaden Davis, Jeremiah Criddle. I mean, they, they basically, they're, they're replacing a pair of trays who are in the NFL. Um, it's tough replace that type of talent. I like Alex Grinch a ton though. And I think he uh, is elite. Uh, Maybe the biggest upside for their defensive secondary is no uh, bookie Radley Hiles this year to, uh, to both be the the target of passes and of, of internet criticism. So, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting. This is, this is, I have them at five, but this is literally the most up in the air. They could, they could finish. I don't think they'll finish too much lower than that, but they could finish way higher uh, in in that OU secondary. Yeah, I agree on the, Oh, you could finish a lot higher than we think they will. Um, I have Baylor here. You guys will have Baylor at four of them, five. I love Texada. I think he's going to be awesome. I knocked him a bit for Barnes, and it's probably not fair to knock them for Barnes and not TCU with Daniels and health, but I want to know that he is healthy. Um, I, need, I need to see that. And if he is, this is the, this is the one where I think – Kind of like you guys said, I could see them ending the highest, moving up the the most based off where I have them now. Um, if this unit just continues to improve, Texada is fantastic. And I mean, look, Aranda knows defense. Um, that defense was pretty good, was, was good last year. Despite how bad the offense was, um, that defense was pretty dang good. And they're only going to get better with a full off season, um, and and no major coaching changes there for them. So I am I am very intrigued in the Baylor defense this year, and, and whether or not it can carry them. And I think those corners in, in the Big Twelve, where 
you bring back some wide receivers, but I think they had the Big 12 is replacing quite a few guys as far as pass catchers go. I, I'm really intrigued to see what a guy like Texada can do this year. So I've got Baylor at five. Um, we will continue our rankings in just a minute. We're going to take uh, a quick break. Does your team make the cut? We're here to decide. Hey everyone, this is Jahan J. Roger from Dave Gamble's Texas Football, and I'm here to invite you to the brand new college football playoff show. Cleveland.com columnist Doug Maurice and I talk playoff year-round on this twice-a-week podcast with topics like, what does Oklahoma need from its defense to rise to the top? Does Iowa State have the best running back of the playoff contenders? Does Texas deserve to be in the conversation to start the year? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at CFB Playoff Show. All right, one through five is down. Anthony, we're on to number six. Who do you have here, sir? Yeah, and this is when we're starting to get into the, the, the big disagreement because I still don't have Oklahoma or Texas. I have Oklahoma State. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're, we're kind of – this is kind of the last of uh, – where I'm kind of confident in the cornerback groups as a whole. I mean, I'm, I'm the confidence is starting to decline a little bit. Um, but I really like Jared Bernard Congress. I, I thought he performed exceptionally last year. Losing Rodarius Williams, that's obviously a big, big loss, that veteran presence there. Um, and two, he was starting to emerge last year. Um, the press skills were fantastic with Bernard Parvers though. I mean, he, he was having a type of like, uh, you know, lockdown type of season, allowing 20 yards or less in all, but two of his starts last year, um, did ex- get exposed vertically. Um, but I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. Um, Christian Holmes too, the Missouri transfer. I thought he stepped up when he was on the field as well. Um, he had a 69.5 coverage grade for us, which is pretty good. All things considered. So that's who we have there at number six. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm going to go back to where uh, you were a couple of picks ago with West Virginia at six. Um, I, I like, I like a lot of what that team is becoming. I like a lot of what they did last year, obviously led the nation with 160 pass yards per, but when you replace the type of talent they replace, that's why they have to slip down a little bit more. I think we do, we've, we've made the caveat that we are divorcing the cornerbacks from the overall defensive backfield, but we slip a couple in there. And I think they have, Good safeties, but replacing Tyke Smith, like uh, like Anthony mentioned, replacing Drayshon Miller. I think it's gonna it's gonna put more pressure on on Nick Troy Fortune, who was who was good last year. That whole defense was good, but you also, I mean, again, going out of the uh, the assignment, you think about what they're replacing in stills, what they're replacing at linebacker. They're replacing a lot um, that will make it harder to just be elite secondary when you can get after the quarterback like they could when you can you know jam up the run occasionally uh, and, and make people you know. Uh, not not comfortable on offense we'll see what this looks like um jackie matthews and daryl porter are obviously the the big question marks are who's going to play on the other side of nick troy fortune but i will offer the uh the greatest almost a couple letters off big 12 uh, or just college sports eliteness um they have a transfer from illinois state named charles woods He's just need a, an O-N on the end, and you could have a, a Charles Woodson, the biggest since Flo Thamba at Baylor uh, basketball. But uh, if he turns out to be anything like his namesake, maybe he gets the other spot. But they have some guys. But again, if I knew for sure who their number two was and I had confidence there, I might have them higher um, because I just kind of like what they do on defense a lot, and they still have some talent up front. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think West Virginia at six feels about right. I didn't know quite where to put them, but that's in the second half, they'll lead the second half of the pack. West Virginia fans are not going to like me when we get done with this. Uh, number six, I have Texas. Um, Kyle, you mentioned Jameson. And I, and I think this is very much a I flying under the radar is the, is the right description. Now, not, not anymore. I mean, when you when you up as a first teamer for, for Big 12, when we, we put him there as well in our, on our preseason team, um, 
Yeah, I don't think he's under the radar anymore. Athlon had him as a second teamer. College Football Network had him as a first teamer. Uh, Phil Steele had him as a third teamer. Um, so I think there's still kind of some all over the board stuff with him. I think he's going to be good. I have a lot of questions. I Josh Thompson's fine. Um, I think the fact that Darian Dunn from McNeese is probably going to push him for that starting job, and I do think so, makes me question how. And that's not a shot at Dunn, but it's it's more like I I have questions about that that's opposite spot along with Jameson. Um, I do like as far as depth goes. I like Baron a lot. I liked his tape. I paid a lot of attention to him when he was uh, when he was being recruited, decommitting for Baylor, and ending up at Texas. I like him. Jameson's good. Jameson's very good. I I do I have I don't have enough confidence in the other side to put them in the top five. Um, obviously they're at six, so they're not bad. But that's why I have Texas here. Anthony seven. Yeah, for seven. Um, going with the favorite of the Big Twelve, Oklahoma. Um, and this is kind of my biggest concern with the entire team, really. And you know, there's definitely potential there. Um, I'm a big fan of DJ Graham. You know, especially considering. You know, he even thought coming out of high school for a moment that he was going to be a wide receiver at the collegiate level. He didn't even think he was going to play corner. Um, and look at his first year, he, he's, you know, he played around 160 coverage snaps, allowed just over half a yard per coverage snap with a coverage grade above 70. That's, that's pretty good um, for someone with the experience level that he has. Um, I think Woody Washington's a big, he really needs to step up there. I mean, they lost a lot of talent from that secondary. But two, I think they're going to get some help with that pass rush unit as well. Um, because they're going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, it was, it's interesting, too. Um, I actually stumbled on this idea Friday. Um, I had the idea. So we think of, you know, PFF and coverage versus pass rush. And it's been, you know, a wide belief that we've been proposing that coverage is a lot more valuable than the pass rush unit. Um, and that is true at the NFL level. But I dug deep into it and I split up at the collegiate level power five and group of five. And I found that the disparity between the two at the group of five level was just like it was in the NFL. Coverage is so, still much more valuable, but once you get into the power five level, the, the pass rush is a little, hey, coverage is still more valuable, but the disparity between the two is so much slimmer. I mean, it, they, it actually matters a good amount. Um, and so that's something I need to dig deeper into, but I think that defense is still going to be fine, even though if we're looking at these rankings and I think if, if anyone's listening, thinking, oh, should I be, you know, kind of scared about Oklahoma going into the season, maybe they're not actually going to, you know, win the CFP for the first time. Um, I still think they're still my preseason pick to win the CFP because I think outside of this cornerback room, I think they're one of the best rosters in college football. But it, I think they still need some corners to step up. That obviously is going to help. It's still the most important position on the defense side of the ball. And that is my big concern with them. But I don't think it's to the point that liability is, you know, type of level that's going to make me pick another team to win the CFP. Because I, I still I still love this uh, Oklahoma team. Um, but yeah, that's who I have there at number seven. And I think DJ Graham, though, I think he is going to be a breakout player. Yeah, I think when we're talking about that as their only question mark, we'll see what the offensive line is able to reproduce and with transfers. But if that's your only question mark, then then watch out the rest of the people on this list. That's tough. Um, my seven, and I and I flipped them actually not long before I recorded. I, I I gave West Virginia a bump and 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 bumped them down. Is is Kansas State? Um, I I do think what uh, Anthony talked about when he had them bit higher all made sense I, I also like both saying his name and watching him play boy D uh is 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 great starting eight games last year you know uh I think defended like seven passes it's it's he's a good player uh it's good size like just seems to, to be a playmaker Justin Gardner is a really interesting guy um how good he can be um that Kansas State defense just 
got exposed in a lot of different ways last year. So it's hard to, to place the blame exactly any one place. Um, a guy who's really interesting, and I, I think we talked about him earlier, but when Julius Brents comes in from Iowa with some experience um, and, and some talent, but he's also 6'3", I think 205 or something like that. Like he's a big, big corner. Um, and, and Kansas State, you know, made a fortune out of playing tight ends at quarterbacks and almost getting them Heismans and just give them big, ugly guys who want to maul and, 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 and be physical. And, uh, and, you know, they can give anyone – uh, problems. I think that Kansas City defense will be improved um, overall. I think obviously they're they're replacing a couple of their best players, but I think the the talent level is going to be okay, and they have some transfers coming in. But I, I'm I'm putting them a little lower than Anthony, but uh, it sounds like a little maybe a little higher than Philip. Let's see, but uh, yeah, I'll put them at seven. No, I had Kansas State. Oh, you did. Oh, so I'm I'm the low man. All right, so come for yes. come for me, Ema. Uh, I've made it known on my podcast. <laughs> I hate the color purple because of you guys and TCU. Uh, but uh, yeah, come for me at uh, Philip Slip. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not my Twitter handle. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, okay, so I have Oklahoma State at seven, and I tried to to shell of my homerism. And uh, I'm I'm gonna be honest, Anthony. I am lower on Christian Holmes than you are. Um, my big thing with Oklahoma State's defense last year was winner Darius Williams, who was a absolute lockdown corner to the point that they just teams just wouldn't throw at him which is why i didn't put up the stats of some of the other guys um when when holmes had to come in and Rodarius was out the defense took a step backwards it did because he just he, uh, him and converse couldn't do what converse and and williams were good um holmes was fine but incredibly inconsistent um can he be better this year? Because I, I agree. I think Jarek Bernard Converse is going to take similar to what Radarius Williams did last year, a big step forward as the guy. The question is, can, can Christian Holmes be a take a step forward as well in his second year with Oklahoma State? It's a lot of youth behind them. Corey Black, Jabbar Muhammad, um, DeMarco Jones. I think Corey Black's the best of those, but we've got a very inexperienced number three here. I don't think this unit is as good as last year because I don't think any of the guys you have on the roster are as good as Rodarius Williams was. But I still like Converse and Bernard Converse. I think he's going to do a good job. I just have I have too many question marks to put them higher than seven, despite my my orange blood flowing and coursing <laughs> through my veins. Uh, Anthony, eight. Yeah, and I mean, too, if you know, hypothetically speaking, if Rodarius came back this year, I. I don't. I think it would be a closer debate about TCU and Oklahoma State at number one, because yeah, I think that's and that's a very good point to make is that you're having a pretty severe drop off there. And I think you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of happens um, opposite Bernard Converse. But you know, I still think it's a kind of a middle of the pack group. But yeah, I, everything you said. I mean, Rodarius Williams. I think he was probably one of the five, maybe ten most underrated players in all college football last year. And it's a pretty big loss. Um, but you know, at least they have that safety duo there because that, that that's a good one. I'm a big fan of Trey Sterling there. Um, but yeah, trio, trio. Yeah, a trio. But yes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, number eight here. I'm going with Texas. I, I think um, you know Deshaun Jameson. I think he's probably one of the players in the Big Twelve that I, I think PFF as a whole um, kind of disagrees with, with the broader consensus the most. And you know he does have you know the athleticism. It's it's great. I mean he has exactly what you need for the position. Um, I think all things considered spending a year away from the position um, going in from, you know, having a couple different, different defensive coordinators um, and still producing a coverage grade that ranked eighth out of 22 qualifying um, outside corners over the last couple of years. I think, I think that's pretty good. Um, but, you know, I don't think he, he hasn't really shown enough for me to think that he can be the, the top tier kind of guy. The lack of ball production has been a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, the, the man-to-man coverage, I think that's something worth, worth monitoring. 
um, this upcoming season. Um, and then two, it's just the lack of depth outside of there. Uh, I, I think there is some potential with him, um, but I, I'm not as confident in this entire Texas cornerback room. But I will say, um, positive vibes only here. The offside of the ball, I'm I'm stoked to watch Texas. I think Steve Sarkeesian, he's was the best, hands down the best head coaching hire. I think he was the best offensive play caller last year. I think too, also, just to get one on a tangent here, the fact that he his Alabama-led offense did not generate negative expected points added in any of his games as play caller the last couple of years is ridiculous. And I know they had some of the best talent in college football, but he made Mac Jones look like at one point a top three pick. I mean, (laughs) that's what you want in a play caller right there too. And I'm a big fan of Casey Thompson. If he is the one that ends up being the starting quarterback, I thought the small flashes we've seen from him, all all positive signs. So I'm excited to see what ends up happening there. Um, But the the defense, the cornerback unit, that's my big concern with this team for 2021. And, and, and another time, another conversation, we might have to have you on our podcast to talk about the difference between Jay Valai, who's one of the best cornerback recruiting coaches, and to go into Terry Joseph, who has just a litany of experience and what that looks like, and also Coach, uh, Coach K's defense coming from, from, um, from Washington. But again, I don't want to sidetrack us uh, and just talk uh, Texas here today. But um, so I think my next uh, pickup is Oklahoma State, and uh, exactly like what, what was said before. I think replacing Rodarius Williams. So I think I, I started nicknaming him Rodarius prime, um, but I'm just a nerd, not even the biggest on my own podcast. That's Gerald uh, is, is, is no easy task. I agree with everything. I'm, I'm so glad we have a consensus here. Cause you don't always get that, that he was unbelievably underrated um, last year. I think exactly like what Anthony said, if it's, you're talking about him with Bernard Converse after the year that he had last year and going into where the step up he, he hopes to make then Yeah. Again, I, I, I easily have them at, at number two uh, in, in, the big 12, but I just look at, I didn't love Holmes, uh, Thomas Harper, Corey black, whoever it is. I don't, whoever comes in, uh, at that number two, I, I, I could be wrong. They could, they could have a, a glow up. You've seen Oklahoma state. Um, this isn't your, you know, your, your uncles, your, 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 your big brothers, Oklahoma state where defense is not, um, you know, a big part of, of what they do. And like we said, the, the very good safety play, and, and, you know, if they can generate a, a pass rush, those things, those things are very interesting when we try to have an isolated cornerback conversation. I think Jarek Bernard Converse belongs somewhere in that conversation. I put teams as they have a guy and what else do they have and tried to rank that versus they have a group. And I definitely put them in a, a guy and didn't love what they had in the rest of the group, but uh, could, could easily be proven wrong. And especially when they play Texas. They moved Thomas Harper to safety. And I just want to say it, it, I, there was a reason for that. I wish he was still a corner. He's awesome. But I, I think the sh- there's going to be a slight shift with a focus on um, having a lockdown safety over having a lockdown corner. And I think that's going to be uh, Harper is he should be starting opposite Jared Bernard Converse. And if he was, I'd have them Oklahoma State much higher on this. I like him a lot. Um, okay, number eight. Sorry, I don't want to turn this into an Oklahoma State podcast. Uh, number eight, I have Texas Tech. Um, I like the Marks Fields. I do. I, I'm, I'm very high on him. Um, I'm not the only one. I mean, obviously, I, this, Phil Steele had him as a first teamer. I think Athlon had him as a third teamer. I, I think this is a situation where it, it, they are moved up because of Fields. Opposite of him, Adrian Fry is fine. You've got two transfers you bought in, Rashad Williams from UCLA and Malik Dunlap from NC State. I like Dunlap much better of those two. And I know Fry is a senior, but the ceiling on on uh, on Dunlap is high. Here, here's the thing on Fry. 
for those who don't remember, he was a freshman All-American back in like 2018 and has not been able to to live up to that since then. If Fry somehow recaptures that freshman All-American season opposite fields, this unit will be much better than this. But I've got to, at this point, this far removed from then, I, I need to see it to believe it. Um, again, I like Fields. I uh, was second in the conference in passes defended last year. Um, I think getting him back as a super senior is, is big for Texas Tech. That's some play, That's a spot they can lean on. I just have a lot of questions in that second spot. I, I, but I have Texas Tech 8 because Fry has shown in the past the potential to be really dang good. The question is, is can he be that good again? Yeah, and that's, for me, that that's the million-dollar question because that's actually who I have at number nine. Um, he, DeMarcus Fields, he um, he's just very volatile, and I think he, I don't know if I would put him in that that kind of that guy category just because, I mean, he did make some plays on the ball, um, had nine pass breakups last year, but when you watched him against the good wide receivers, he was put in a blender more than he should have been. Um, against Oklahoma and Tylen Wallace, the, in those two different games, um, he gave up over 200 yards allowed, and that accounted for 66% of his yards allowed for the year. And I think that's my big concern for him is if they – I don't think they really have a chance – going up against any of the quality wide receivers in the big 12. And that number two is very concerning. Um, you know, like you mentioned with Fry and Malik Dunlap too, he's an intriguing guy. He's long and physical, but he still lost a lot more than he should have at the catch point. I mean, he's, I thought he should have been a lot better. Um, you know, he can still make some plays, but just so many people have to step up on that Texas tech defense. They're the, a very interesting team too. even looking again, going off on a little mini tangent, the offensive side of the ball with Tyler Shuck taking over, it's kind of crazy, in my opinion, just how the uh, the Tyler Shuck hype came. It, it, it came out of nowhere. I thought it was a joke at first. Um, but, it, yeah, a lot of people are big fans about the Tyler Shuck. Um, but I just can't really see it. And, I, you know, there is some intriguing talent there, um, you know, but I just can't really buy into this Texas X team in 2021. And the cornerback unit is a big reason why. You want to take – uh, Philip, you, you, I think hopefully you brought me on for those. Uh, I'll give you one a bit scintillating. With my number nine – I still have not yet listed Texas Tech. I'm skipping. I'm jumping ahead. I'm putting Kansas at number nine. Uh, if, Ooh. yeah, I know, I know. I think this is wrong, honestly, but I want to do it. I, I love Texas Tech fans in UT mentions. It has been basically since the moment Chris Beard left. I they boost our interactions on social media because they comment more than Texas fans. Um, but uh, if they had Karan Prunty, I don't think anyone would be upset with this pick. Freshman All-American went to South Carolina on a defense that wasn't great. They set three guys of the SEC in the transfer portal. The defense is going to be bad. I think the whole defense is, is going to be bad. Don't hear me say anything wrong. Ninth is out of 10 isn't great. Um, but I, I, I really, I, I just have so little faith. And I'll talk about that when I get to tech about the two redshirt seniors. Um, I, I almost like the, could Kansas have a guy? Could Mayberry, they have a couple Mayberries, which is the most Kansas thing, right? You got a Kyle and a Deuce. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just come on, give me an all shucks, uh, all shucks kind of uh, uh, feeling right here. Would, would this not be the feel good story of the year if Kansas was able to be number nine out of 10 in the uh, in the cornerback position? They have a history. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on about a keep to leave and all the, the history of elite Kansas quarterbacks. There's only like three of them, but uh, <laughs> I want it to, I I'm willing this into reality. And, and it really is more about just the fact that, that I don't like text corners and I, I don't know what to make of Kansas. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Ooh, Ooh, this one, you can I tweet. Was, I hope that was a minute. Cause I'm going to have to compress that down and put that on all over social. <laughs> um, at number nine, 
I'm, I'm sorry, Mountaineers. I have West Virginia here. Um, I am not as high as you guys are on the Mountaineers. Um, fortune, solid, um, I believe. Uh, Anthony PFF, you basically basically have him as like one of the 10 best returning cornerbacks in the Big 12. That's awesome. But opposite him, I mean, I, we could talk about opposite of Fields at Texas Tech or opposite Jerry, uh, Jackie Jackie Matthews, maybe Charles Woods coming in from Illinois State. Um and then a bunch of youth. I for for all the teams that have a guy and everybody else, West Virginia has the worst the guy to me, and equally as bad as some other schools, everybody else. So I've got West Virginia. I just I just I think this defense takes a step back. Anthony, I know PFF is high on Daggy. You're you're gonna have. I have yet to be convinced that he's not just fine. And uh, I'm. I this is why I'm worried about West Virginia this year. The defense is gonna take a step back. I'm not sure the offense can take the step forward necessary, a big enough step forward to to take West Virginia, maybe even to last year's state or to a higher level than that. Like I like West Virginia Neil Brown. I don't like this cornerback unit. And I think it's going to be hurt because I think the rest of the defense across the board is going to see a slight back step back this year. So it's going to put more pressure on the cornerbacks. And I just, I don't, I don't love this unit. I don't, uh, I love West Virginia. I do. I want them to be good. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to be more optimistic on this podcast and not be negative, but I'm just don't love this unit at all. That's fair. I mean, it's definitely like with Jerry Deggy, I mean, there's just kind of, I don't think he's been in a good situation. I mean, his supporting cast has kind of hurt him a little bit too. And I think, you know, this was a belief of myself and also my colleague, Seth Galena, who's also an analyst here at PFF, one of our college analysts. And it was kind of verified by our data science department. The one day, one of the guys shot over a CSV file and he said, Hey, I ended up developing this um, uh, EPA generated above expectation um and looking back to 2014 the pff college era jerry deggy was really high on that list he was up there with justin fields even um just to show that he's kind of made the most of a bad situation at times but yeah i, I mean i can definitely see it i think that's a group with a it's i think it's going they, they're going to have a you know a wide range of outcomes for sure um with number 10 though with kansas of, of course um i mean here's a take for you if Elijah Jones and Pronti did not transfer, I would have had them in the top three. I would have had this duo in the top three, definitely. I was, you know, I was doing some research um, for our off-season preview magazine, and this was before the transfers happened. And I was like, man, this is this is a really good starting quarterback duo. And then they just both left for the portal, and, I was, and my heart hurt for Kansas fans. They had a nice blurb right up for uh, Pronti saying he's going to be the best cornerback since Akeem Tlaib. He looked like it, um, but then unfortunately they both left. Um, Jones going to Oregon State and Prunty, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, it's just going to, it's going to be another rough year for Kansas football. But I will say, I think they're trending up. I, I do think they're trending up the long term, just not this year. I'm I'm so excited for this one, Kyle. I'm so excited. Uh, Texas Tech at 10. Texas Tech is is my number ten. I just again, I don't. I think the talent level of Texas Tech at every position is higher than Kansas. Don't get me wrong. I think they're going to have a better defense. I think if you talk about cornerbacks, like we've talked about multiple times, you have to have pressure. Uh, you have to have good safety help. You have to have all these things. Sure. Uh, th- that's fine. I-, I think if we talked about other positions, you know, there's guys on that defense. I love a schooler. Texas has got one. I think Texas is even better. Colin schooler is great. I think Rico Jeffers has been there for about 13 years and he's, he's, he's very good. Um, and, you know, they, they have some good pieces on that defense. Texas Tech, you know, they very rarely ever have 
elite uh, defensive backs. They they had uh, McPherson last year was was pretty good. Um, but again, the fact that I think Coach P says it, you know, the, the good news is we get everyone back. The bad news is we get everyone back. Uh, the, uh, the the quarterbacks in in, in I redshirt year. His freshman year was longer ago than Sam Ellinger. You know, like it, it, it's or same. I guess it's crazy. You know that we are waiting that that is somehow good, right? Where it's basically been a downhill slope since then. Uh, DeMarcus Fields, I also just don't think is anywhere near that conversation of the guy. Uh, I don't know what's behind him. They, they have some transfers, like we mentioned. We don't know what they'll – neither of those guys could be starting by the end. I, I, I truly don't know. Um, maybe there's something in there that I'm missing in the depth chart that I'm not seeing. I just don't like it at all. I just don't see any upside when, again, you're playing two redshirt seniors. Great, you have experience. But, again, if they weren't good – last year or the year before or if they were never good it's not necessarily a great thing the upside is lower than kansas which is an unknown that is a take so marvel's next show is getting released on disney plus is called what if <laughs> with speculation on on things that could have happened if if situations gotten differently in the in the marvel cinematic universe i really hope there's an episode just for kansas and what oh. if elijah jones and karan pronti had stuck around because now with them gone I, you don't you don't have a guy you don't have yeah. a, a other guy like I I don't know what they have I mean y- you have sophomores and redshirt freshmen that's what you're gonna march out there with and that doesn't mean that they can't be good but folks I mean, <laughs> at that age at that with the lack of experience they have unless they just flip into studs quickly it mm, I mean here's the thing. Kansas may not put up, a, may not have to give up a lot of yards through the air because they're going to give up so many yards on the ground that nobody's going to need to throw deep on them this year. So they'll their corners will look better than they actually are. I'm sorry, I'm I I hate making fun of Kansas because it's such yes. a low blow easy Agreed. target. I, it's just like it's just not good. Like it's not good. Um, I, I I love you, Kansas. I want you to be good. I want it to be a better situation. And again, I agree. With Anthony, had had Jones and Prunty been back, I'm not saying top two, but at least top five. They'd have been the top half of the conference easily. There's just there's nothing to go on here at all to give them anything higher than tenth. I just again, there's there's nothing to go on, so they have to be at ten. Man, uh, I don't mean to turn this into a West Virginia podcast, but um, I will I will say this is my 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 opinion on Daigie Anthony since we spent some time talking about him. Um, he's really good. He's really good at what he's good at. And he's really bad at what he's not. I mean, yeah, that, that's a fair take. And I, I will say, I thought, I, I, I had higher expectations for him last year even. Um, but yeah, I mean, he does, some, he does some rare things that I think a lot of college quarterbacks can't do. I mean, some of the stuff too, uh, I think he, he, he can manipulate defenders with his eyes and shoulders. And that's rare to see from a college quarterback. I think he is also, his accuracy was where it needs to be. Um, you know, He's just there's sometimes and some performances that are kind of frustrating to watch. But I do think given everything that he's been working with, like, like the EPA above expectation generated, I think dating back to since his arrival in 2019, I think he's exceeded expectations. And that's why we're a little bit higher on him, because I do think, you know, kind of the broader consensus is like this guy is just uh, he's the middle of the pack average quarterback. But I, I think he's I'm not saying he's elite. I'm not saying he's going to be you know, in the Heisman conversation or for the Davey O'Brien or anything of that nature. But I do think he's a, he's an above average college quarterback. Um, and, and I think that's kind of been uh, lost in a lot of debates, but yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. I, I, there is some limitations there with him. 
I, I also did not think that West Virginia had, you know, an unbelievable wide receiver group heading into the year last year, but they made some plays for him. He, he had a lot of like third down throws that receivers bailed him out. And I think, uh, again, anecdotally against uh, the, the two, three games I, I watched, you know, very closely of him last year, I saw players who I had to look up and I, and I covered the big 12. I know pretty well make catches for him, make plays for him that weren't, you know, below average or, or just college football, big 12 standard, you know, median uh, type catches. These were, these were, you know, big jumping one-handed uh, in coverage catches. And so I'm almost curious if there's any regression to the mean and if that hurts Deggy or if he can keep 66 percentage as his completion this year. But I, again, we don't want to change the topic from corner to quarter on our backs uh, here, but uh, you know, always, always a chance to make the West Virginia fans either angry or happy, depending on which of the three of us, they, they, they put any stock into. <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess Anthony cause he likes Deggy. Um, we are not doing quarterback <laughs> rankings for this very reason. So mm, yeah. Um, Anthony, Kyle, you guys have been awesome. This has been a lot of fun. This was the most all over the place ranking. I, I'm I cannot wait to see what everybody thinks when we post this um, and, and get it up on social. Uh, Kyle, do me a favor. You do an amazing job covering uh, Texas and being a very entertaining podcaster. Where where can everybody check out the work that you do? Oh, you should follow the uh, Longhorn Republic, part of the Burn Orange Nation uh, network. You can follow us at Burn Orange Nation. You can follow us at Longhorn Pod. Uh, you can also follow me at Kyle Carpenter on twitter and anthony man i know you got a lot of grief when you put out some various rankings on twitter this year and i want to i want to say bravo for putting yourself out there like that that's awesome that's also part of your job but that's you know how college football fans are anthony uh, where can everybody check out the work that you do covering college football yeah it comes with the job i mean you know what you're getting yourself into every week there's always that one fan base that is not happy with you but over at pff.com you can check out all that stuff um had all kinds of stuff that just dropped we had our draft guide drop our uh college football preview magazine um and right now you can get 40 percent off any pff subscription using the promo code save 40 um so you can get that preview magazine uh for less than a penny a page so you can't really beat that deal about five bucks i I think it's it's worth a deal but yeah pff.com you can follow me on twitter too at pff underscore awesome you guys been awesome thank you very much i will continue to follow the work you guys do and, and and look forward to getting you both back on the pod again soon thank you thank you thank you Podcast Network.